Hello and welcome to another podcast brought to you by Life Community Church, Leamington Spa. Recorded at one of our Sunday morning services, we hope this message inspires, equips and encourages you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. We're looking through the book of Philippians. Who's read the book of Philippians before? Yeah, Um, wonderful book. And this uh, series is called Shine Like Stars. In the book of Philippians, uh, Paul instructs us to shine like stars. Um, He says, you know, our citizenship is in heaven. And in the sense of, you know, in the world that we live, how are we to apply the heavenly principles of heaven and and outwork them in the way we think and live and act in our world today, in our families, our communities, our situations. So we're going to be looking uh, week by week through the book of Philippians and it's called A Journey Through Philippians and just seeing, unpacking what the word of God says that can help us. whether we have a faith or whether we don't yet have a faith in Jesus Christ. I think this, this course is going to do us a lot of good, this series. Um, so I'm, I'm going to kickstart the, the series today looking at the price of progress. So I'm going to be looking at chapter one. Don't worry, we're not going to read the whole of the chapter, but we are going to read um, a little bit of it in a little while. The price of progress. Um, have you ever started something and... The beginning of the thing that you started, it was all exciting, all encouraging, and you couldn't wait to get started with that, that new thing you were going to take part in, whether it was a, I don't know, a, a course, a university course, or a, a new programme of study, whether it was a marriage, whatever it was, something new that you were going to get involved in. And, uh, and maybe a little bit along the way, things don't seem so glossy or so, uh, so great. Um, I, my background, as many of you know, is in IT. So I studied <coughs> back in the day, in the 90s, in, uh, in computer science, um, in IT. And uh, I was really looking forward to studying at, at the Coventry University. And it was a great, great course, great university on that course in particular, and practical subjects. And I was really looking forward to, I was nervous about starting the course, but I was really looking forward to get plugged in and, and sorted out. And, and it was great. The first, the first year was, was, was good. I got through the first year, and that was all, all well and good. And then the second year, and progressively each year got harder and harder. Um, and then final year. No one warned me about the final year. If you, if you go to university, or you, you should be have a health warning about the, what the final year is about. Whatever your, your um, the degree, degree that you're going to read, you should have a health warning about that there's a dissertation, you think of a dissertation or, or a thesis or a project that you've got to do. And it's going to take every ounce of energy, concentration, time out of you and uh, I was excited to be starting the, 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 my final year at university I'd gone away for a year had a, worked in industry for a year for Thomas Cook in Peterborough and I was uh, coming back all revved up to start my final year and it was literally probably just after the first week it all started to cave in the deadlines started happening all my other modules that I was studying and reading was was Deadlines, deadlines, and in the back of background of the year, I had my final year uh, dissertation to write and to read for and to plan for, and it was it was hard work. I, I, at times, I was thinking, "What am I doing? I don't even understand what I'm doing." And I was out here, yeah, yeah okay. What, what is it? I don't even understand these words. <laughs> I'm looking at a dictionary. I don't understand it. And it was hard work. And uh, the beginning of the course all sounded really good. Even the beginning of the year sounded really good. And now I'm halfway through my final year and I, I just feel like quitting. Do you ever feel like quitting? Do you ever feel like giving up? If we're honest, sometimes we do. What is it, what's it all about? And 
in the end, I just managed to, to, to muster through. I was um, living in a house at the time with friends from university, um, one person on the same course, two other biology students, and we were all just getting through our final year together. And uh, I know we encouraging each other, helping each other, and uh, we got through, and I passed my course. Hey! Uh, many years ago now. But um, yeah, but I'm sure we can all relate to aspects of when we start something and there's a real joy, a happiness, excitement, a buzz about starting that, that thing. And then halfway through or partway through, we, things become hard or circumstances change and, and we feel like someone's giving up. Many things. Going on holiday sounds great. You're packing the night before, you're getting all your stuff together, and maybe something unexpected happens on the holiday trip that you just wish you were back at home. Maybe um, starting a new project and you, 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 you're believing for great things, you, you think it's going to be a great project, and maybe halfway through, the results aren't coming in as you thought they were going to do, and you think, well, I might as well just quit. Maybe it's a job. You started a new job and, and you think, oh, this is going to be a great job. The last job was a bit boring, but this one's going to really gain my interest. And maybe a few months down the line, you're into the job, and it's maybe more, better paid for you, but literally it's not just ticking all the boxes that you thought. It wasn't as was advertised or what was said on the tin. Maybe in marriage. Remember the day, for those of us who are married today, the day you got married, and exciting and a whirlwind of just friends and family around, this, around you celebrating your big day. And then... A few years into the marriage, or a few weeks into the marriage, sometimes you, sometimes you realise, actually, gosh, this is hard work. This is hard work. This is hard work living with someone that's completely different to me. Things like the toilet seat, not putting it down. <laughs> putting the, the top on the toothpaste, yeah? All those little things that wind up our partners, yeah? And sometimes more serious issues that come in. Marriage. Do you remember the time for those that are Christians here today when you gave your life to Christ? That moment when you said, Jesus, I invite you into my life. I want to live for you. You said sorry for the things that you do wrong and invite him into your life. Do you remember the joy that you had? Maybe for some of us in this room it was many years ago. Maybe for some of us it was just a few months ago. Maybe some of us in this room haven't yet had that privilege of, of becoming a Christian. But such joy. Maybe your baptism. The day you were baptised, we last had a baptism service in this church in, in January. We're looking to have another one in, in November. But the day you were baptised and the joy you had. But then when you came to faith, you thought maybe it was going to be an easy life. God's never promised us an easy life as Christians. And there's challenges that come and the situations that come our way. But God is trying to increase our faith and stretch our faith. And sometimes we feel like, throwing in the towel and jacking it all in. Well, today I'm, I'm coming in to speak about this whole subject, the price of progress. And success in the world's eye looks glossy. We have to, only have to look at social media and, and, and the, uh, the advertising and the branding in our society today. Success looks like glossy, but success to God looks very different. It's what the, the world's value system, what success looks like. And your, God wants your life and my life to be a successful life, a fruitful life, a life that brings glory and honour to him. So we're going to read through, um, just if you can turn in your Bibles to chapter 1 of Philippians, it will come on the screen. And I just want to leave us this thought today, 
you can just go back once. Progress means paying the price. Anything that's worth anything, there is a price to be paid, isn't there? Isn't that true? Let's be honest. Things that come our way free, we might often say, what's the catch? Now, the greatest thing that I've ever had, which has been free, is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And maybe some of us, when we heard about salvation and, and having a relationship with Jesus Christ, we probably thought, well, what's the catch? As David so well articulated earlier, you know, the fact that you know, the, greatest, the greater our sin, the greater the things we did wrong in our past, and we have forgiveness, the more we might value that. But there's a price to be paid. And although that was free for us, there was a price to be paid that Jesus had to lay down his life. He had to be crucified on a Roman cross 2,000 years. Progress means paying the price. So how can we make progress in our life? So we're going to read from, from verse, verse 3 of Philippians chapter 1. And uh, Philippians is written by the, uh, the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is a man that wrote about half of the New Testament. And he's write, writing to a, a church that he started in Philippi. And Philippi is in what was called Macedonia. It's in northern Greece today. And it was the first church in Europe to be established, to be planted. He went over there. He had other plans, but he had a dream one night. And there was a vision of a man saying, come over to Macedonia. Come over, come over. And so he just had to obey God. He went over and, 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 and started that, that great work there. Paul often was, was preaching to the um, the non-Jewish people, often wherever he went, he went to find Jewish people first, went to the synagogues. And apparently even in this town, there wasn't even enough people to form a synagogue in Philippi. And Paul is writing this letter to the Philippians from prison. It's thought that um, this, this letter is, is written about sort of AD 60, 62. We're not entirely sure, but around that sort of benchmark. And it's thought that he's writing it from Rome. Paul is writing it. He's been to Rome several times. He's a Roman citizen. And one time in Rome, he caused an absolute uproar. Paul was there trying to tell people about Jesus. And there was this woman who was, who was um, possessed with a, an evil spirit. And he got really frustrated to come out in the name of Jesus. And this woman, possessed with an evil spirit, was able to tell people's fortunes. She was a slave girl, slave woman. And as soon as the, the demon came out of this woman, suddenly she was no longer able to tell people's futures and therefore no longer able to earn her owners any money. So they took Paul and they took him to the magistrate and said, look what he's doing. He's turning up the, the uh, he's not looking at, He's not obeying our, our customs and our rules. He's turned this, this town upside down. And they threw him into prison. And this time the prison wasn't a nice prison. It wasn't a comfortable prison. It was a, a depths of the dungeons type prison. And before he went into prison, they, they, they beat him. So the Bible describes it. I love the Bible because it uses words and we, and we gloss over them. It says they had stripes on his back. He was striped. But imagine if you're whipped so that you've got blood running down your back. That's an awful thing to happen, isn't it? So there he is. He's in prison. And it's about midnight. But God knows. Do you know what? Whatever your situations you're facing, circumstances you're facing, and it may not even be pleasant, God knows. Because at midnight, God caused an earthquake to happen. 
So much so that all the shackles, including Paul and the prisoners, were, were loosed. And the jailer, a Roman jailer, lived by the code of honour, was about to kill himself because he thought that all his prisoners were going to run free. But they weren't. They were still there. And Paul had a great opportunity to tell this jailer about the faith that he had in Jesus Christ. And the jailer and all of his family came to have a living relationship with Jesus. Isn't that amazing? And they were baptised. A Roman. So that was another time Paul was uh, in Rome. But this, this time, he's in a prison, but he's in a, it probably is his rented house. He had a house there he rented, and he's probably in there. So he's under... Um, armed guard but he has a degree of freedom he's now friends and family friends are allowed to come and visit him he's able to write letters and distribute them so it's probably thought in in Rome about AD 60 62 he's writing this letter to the Philippians and the purpose of writing this letter is he is so thankful the Philippian church has stood by him through thick and thin and they've also sent him money uh, missions money to him and he's just writing this letter to say thank you thank you so much for that he's writing this letter with great joy the word joy appears so many times in this letter that he really loves this people in Philippi. And he's also trying to um, encourage them to be united. There's difficulties happening in the church at Philippi at the time. They're struggling with a bit of division and, and difficulties. But Paul is so thankful. So we're going to read it from verse 3. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you with all, all with joy. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. We'll just pause there. Sometimes when we read the word fellowship, we think about fellowship being the time after a service when we're having some great refreshments together and talking with each other. Well, that can be fellowship, but it's more than a drink together. Fellowship is that word koinonia which is that community, it's that active participation with each other's life. And Paul knew firsthand that basically the Philippian church were actively involved in his life. He knew that they had his back. They knew that they were praying for him. They knew that they were with him, um, not necessarily physically on the front line, but they were with him, behind him, rooting him on and supporting him. The fellowship of the gospel. And Paul wrote this in, in verse 6. He who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. I want to say this morning, whatever situation you're in, if you're in that situation where you're midway through a situation and things are hard, he who began a good work will complete it. But it's not just up to, to God. There's things that are God's responsibility. But there's also things that are our responsibility. And as we read this, this letter, we're going to see about a, a window into Paul's situation and what we can learn from it in our situations today. But remember, he has begun a good work in you will complete it to the day of Jesus Christ. Verse 7. Just it is right for me to think this of you all because I have you in my heart inasmuch as both my chains and in the defence and confirmation of the gospel. You are all partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness, how greatly I longed for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. He's got this church in his heart. He loves them. Can you say that about people in this church? That you love them. That you've got them in your heart. When someone is struggling, 
that you know who has a, a relationship with Jesus, that you've got them in your heart, you've got their back, you're praying for them, you're rooting them on, you're encouraging them. That was Paul's life, that was Paul's heart. But also he has them in his chains. He's saying that I'm, I'm in prison here. But my, my, my imprisonment is for your good. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. Paul's saying, I don't want you to stay where you are in your knowledge of Jesus Christ. I don't want you to stay there. I want you to make progress. I want you to go further, deeper, wider, to know the love of of Christ who gives you strength. I want you to delve in. Don't stay where you are. Verse 10, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offence to the day of Christ. Paul says, whatever you're hearing, however you're growing in your relationship with Jesus, approve it, test it. Is it right? Is it helping you? Study it. Look at it. Church, when we go away, do we listen to podcasts, both here on a Sunday or other ministries? Do we feed ourselves? Are we seeking to test the things that are right and follow God with all our heart? Verse 11, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Verse 12. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Paul knew that when bad things happen, God's in control. Yeah? When bad things happen, God's in control. God knows. God has a plan and a purpose for every single person here. God, if you haven't got a relationship yet with Jesus Christ, wants you to have a relationship with him. He loves you so much. And those of us who have given our lives to Christ, become Christians, there's a plan and a purpose that he wants us to fulfill. But sometimes that plan may not look great. You might think, well, what? where's God in this situation? Trust God. God knows. And God will bring you through. Sometimes we, God, we ask God, God, take me out. But God cares more about what's happening on the inside of us and you and, than our situations. And he'll bring us through. Verse 13, so that it became evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. He was imprisoned so that the palace guard could know Christ. They could know what the reason of his imprisonment was. That he had a living, vibrant faith in Jesus Christ. Amazing. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ, even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing to add to my affliction. But the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defence of the gospel. It's amazing here because Paul is saying, Paul knows the bigger picture. Paul knows that God has got a bigger picture for his imprisonment. And he knows that through his hardships that people are coming to faith in Christ. Could that be said about your life and my life? To the, the difficult times that we go through, do we sometimes have a, a pity party? Or do we just say, God, in this hardship, I'm going to give you glory? Because people are watching our life. Paul's writing a letter, but our lives are a letter to those that we work with, we live with, our families, colleagues, friends. 
Paul knew he'd turn out for the furtherance of the gospel. But here is heart. Some people, some Christians are even glad Paul are in, is, in, I mean, is in prison. Why? So maybe they can have a go. And Paul goes, I don't care as long as Christ is preached. What an attitude. What an attitude. In situations that are tough as long as Christ is preached. Amazing. Around the world today, there's many people losing their life. People that don't give up their faith, even in the face of death. Let that encourage yours and my heart even today. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. Amazing. For to me, in verse 21 to 24 now, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labour. Yet what I shall choose I cannot tell, for I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith. That your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. Paul didn't know whether he was going to live or die. He didn't know whether it was coming towards the end of his two-year imprisonment. He didn't know whether he was going to live or die. He was convinced he was going to live and go back. And he, he, part of him wanted to die because he wanted to be with Christ. Wow, isn't that amazing? But he knew that if he lived on, he'd carry on serving Jesus. He'd carry on encouraging the churches, including the Philippians. And why? In yellow there, for your progress and joy of faith. He wanted to know, them to know joy. He wanted them to progress in their faith, in their walk with Jesus. Wow, isn't that amazing? It's believed Paul lived to around the age of between 60, 65. It's believed that he was killed in Rome by beheading at the sword. That's not in, in the Bible. That is in, in early history. It's maybe thought that it would happened shortly after his imprisonment. But let the words of Paul, a normal person... He might have been brilliant at writing letters and articulating himself and uh, talking about uh, you know, different great, great conflicts and, and applying the truth of the word of God. But he was a normal person like you and like me. And let his heart shine through today into whatever situation you might be facing. The heart of Paul, well, the heart of Christ through the heart of Paul comes to us today. And Jesus wants you and I, us all, to carry on, to progress, to keep going, to keep going and growing in our relationship with Jesus Christ and not to hold back. It would be easy to hold back when things go, go hard. So what can we, what can we learn from this, this great passage today? Thanks, Kate. Progress means paying the price. So three things. Progress means paying the price with our attitude. Three areas that we can pay the price today, church, with our attitude. Keep going on the attitude. 
you see a picture of an iceberg there, and an iceberg, have you got that, okay? Just that one? There you go, great. So, picture of an iceberg is a powerful picture because 90% of the, the mass of an iceberg is below the water. And that's where we get the phrase, the tip of the iceberg from. Tip of the iceberg is where um, you, see, it's just, you, you see something, but you know there's more. There's more that's unseen. The tip of the iceberg. And we only see the tip, and we think that's big. But then deep below the surface of the water, we see 90% of its, its remaining mass. Isn't that amazing? The reason I'm showing that is because in our day, in our age of social media and electronic communication, we see people's lives, or we see a window into people's lives. We see the good bits. We see the gloss and the spin. We see, as it were, the tip of the iceberg. We see a, a family around a meal table, a nice picture, everyone having fun and, and smiling together. We don't see that an hour before all hell was breaking loose and the kids were running by it and mum was shouting and screaming and getting angry. We don't see that. We see someone with a... <laughs> the kids lined up, ready to go to school for the new school year. We don't see them getting out of bed, I don't want to go to school and all that. Yeah? We see the gloss. We see the tip of the iceberg. And I want to leave this thought with us about this is the unseen is the foundation of the scene. The unseen is the foundation of the scene. And as if Christian, I'm just talking to Christians for a few moments. As Christians here today, the unseen in your life is the foundation of everything that is seen. Don't worry about whatever everyone sees about the rest of your life. Don't try and be perfect. Don't try and, and put a gloss and a spin on your life so it makes you look like the perfect Christian. Because the reality is there are no perfect Christians. Amen? There, be at free liberty today. We all mess up and make absolute messes, and, and we're trying our best. We do. Yeah? Myself included. We're all, all on the same journey of just trying to grow in our faith, and we're not perfect. So let that be your liberty to you today. But the unseen is the foundation of the scene. And if you want to grow in your relationship with God, you've got to put some things in place in your life that says, okay, I want to put the foundations, I want to put the building blocks those foundations of, of prayer, of, of wanting to grow. Paul says, I want you to progress in your faith. God wants you to progress in your faith. Cultivate that. Realise it's the unseen which is the foundation of the scene. Have that attitude, have that way of thinking that says, God, I want to progress. I don't want to stay put. You might have been a Christian for many, many years. Do you know what? You've still got a long way to go because you're not perfect and you won't be while you're here on earth. Yeah? So have that attitude as the day when you gave your life to Christ that says, I want to progress. I want to develop. And God will help you. And there's different ways that God can help you with that. Thank you. Progress means paying the price with our attitude. Progress means paying the price with our actions. Back in the 1990s, um, who's ever tasted Sprite? Sprite is a bit like a sort of lemon and lime um, fizzy drink. And back in the 90s, there was an advertising campaign that says, Sprite, obey your thirst. And they were trying to get us to drink more Sprite by uh, thinking, if you're thirsty, drink more Sprite. Okay, well, it's a sugary drink, so it's not going to be the best for you. Obey your thirst. You're thirsty. Yeah? You're thirsty. And when we become thirsty, whether it's natural for a drink, 
we can either think, I'm going to be thirsty or I'm going to do something about it. Obey your thirst. Do something about it. You're hungry? Do something about it. Obey your thirst. And if you've made it, got an attitude that says, I want to grow in Jesus Christ, no one, not one person on this planet Earth can make you grow. Do you know the person that can make you grow? Turn to the person next to, next to you and say, it's you. Actually, no, it's me, it's me. <laughs> the person that can make you grow is you and you only. You can come to a Sunday service, you can go to life groups and the rest of it, but no one can cause Dave Bolton to grow but Dave Bolton. Same for you. You make a decision, I want to grow, so what are you going to do about it? Hmm? What are you going to do about it? What things in your life are you going to put in place that's going to cause you to grow? And uh, I love this in Isaiah chapter 55, verses 1 to 2. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, that's great, isn't it? Come, buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Church, it's time to obey your thirst. It's time to do something about it that's going to feed your soul. What are you going to do to feed your soul? You can't expect anyone else to chase you up and to, because that's not going to work. It's all about what you and I decide to do. To feed our soul. And there's many ways. Do you know what? One of the great ways of feeding our soul is in community together. It's great that we come together on a Sunday morning. But I don't know about you, but Sunday morning doesn't help me. I've got to do stuff the rest of the week to keep me strong, to keep feeding my soul, to keep me growing. What am I going to do? Well, some of the basics, we can pray. Just chat to God. God, just help me. Don't have to have all the words, all the articulated language of prayer. Just, God, would you help me today? That's prayer. That's deep. That's meaningful. That's, that's, God loves that. Read your Bible. It's hard. Or maybe get a devotion. UCB. Uh, if you've got um, mobile devices, the, the Bible app. Brilliant. And it's got um, devotions on there. You can read a few scriptures and, and someone's thoughts about those scriptures. That will encourage you and help you and build you up. But we've got to be self-feeders. We as a church could put on a whole buffet of different activities and programs, but it's not going to do any good unless you make a decision that says, I want to feed my soul. Engage with different things. You can feed your soul through, through life groups through prayer, through worshipping, put on a worship mu music. I love going to a park and just walking around the park and just and praying. It does me good. It just awakens something within me. Do something that awakens something with you and your, your walk with God. And it's going to look different for all of us. But you've got to obey your thirst.
Someone said there was a, there's a God-shaped hole in all of us. So what are you going to do to fill it? And often we fill it with the wrong things, don't we? We think, even as Christians, today we fill it with the wrong things, different pursuits. I've got this job and it's going to get me a lot of money. I'm going to do that. But actually it doesn't satisfy. Only God generally really satisfies. There's many great things in the world that we can take part of and be a part of, which is great. But only God truly satisfies. Obey your thirst. And finally, progress means paying the price altogether. Wasn't it a great Olympics this year for Team GB? And when Team GB were asked, um, what are the five things that made you a success this year? Okay. Uh, one of the top five was the fact that it was a great team spirit. It was a great team spirit. And that rooted them on and ragged them on. In fact, um, yeah, the, yes, it was a lot of funding that they got to help boost the team's skills, etc. But it was also the great team atmosphere. And, tra- and you, heard, you saw them on the interviews. Anytime another sport event won, they were cheering them on says, and referring to them. They were bigging each other up. Um, I showed a video here a few uh, uh, weeks ago about geese. And geese fly in a v, v formation, don't they? And have you ever heard of geese? They honk. Honk, honk. Honk, honk. Why do they do that? They honk to encourage each other as they fly. And also the person at the front will then, after a while, will shift their position to the back and then someone else will take over. Isn't that amazing? Church. We need to be a church of quality honkers. Yes? Where we're honking, we're encouraging and spurring each other on because... We're team. Together, everyone achieves more. God has not made us to live in isolation. And church can be lonely if we don't connect. But God has called us to encourage each other, to get on board with each other, to help each other. How can we do that? Local team. Locally, I want to encourage you, church, get involved with a life group. You hear us say it all the time. Yeah? Why? Because I believe it. A life group, by the way, cannot make you a disciple of Jesus Christ. The life group leaders cannot make you a disciple of Jesus Christ. Your desire to grow and to grow in community can help make you a disciple of Jesus Christ. As you seek to learn and grow. No one in that group, by the way, will be perfect. Don't expect it. Everyone will have their problems. But there will be pockets of people just that will pray together, help each other, encourage each other, spur each other on. Life groups are for everyone. And I'd love you to give me a problem. I'd love to have the problem of having to launch more life groups. Wouldn't that be amazing? Because more and more people want to be involved in a life group. So let's just do that. Let's be involved in the local life groups. And the, the finally is the global team, the global church of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to end on in a, just a couple of minutes. Time is gone. The global team. Tertullian, one of the early church fathers, wrote... The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. And apparently, I'm not sure how accurate this is, there's been 70 million Christians that have lost their lives since Jesus walked on this earth. Tear Fund themselves say probably in the year 2014-15 there were 7,000 people, martyrs. And that has probably been increased in the last year by another 3,000. If you exclude the different wars, if you're looking at martyrdom on a small scale. Other sources have said that there's been 100,000, if you look at some of the 
the genocides that have happened. That's people losing their life for Jesus Christ. Jesus knew and has called people to lose their life for the sake of the gospel. I say this somberly this morning. Jesus called people to lose their life. And there is a special reward for people that give, give their life for Christ. They will get a special reward. The word martyr in the Greek actually means witness. People over history have died in various ways. You, you and I know them. I won't go into detail. Who've died in various ways as a witness to the fact that there is a God that loves people. And we can take courage from the global people, people around this world, even today, even this year, that have lost their life. You and I have seen the pictures on the media with the, the rise of militant Islam and ISIS, ISIL, etc. And the rest. The fundamentalist Hindus in India. People that are coming against Christianity. And we've got a degree of luxury and freedom in this country. We don't know. I'm not here to scare them. We don't know how long we've got that for. God knows. But whenever there's been persecution in the church, that is when the church has risen up. That is when the church has made a dif difference. In the diaspora, um, shortly after the, the, the birth of the early church, when people were spread abroad because of persecution, when the heat got turned up and people had a tenacity to start gossiping the gospel and telling other people about Jesus, that's how Christianity became worldwide. And church, this morning, we can play it safe in a nice service. And I'm not dis anything we do, I I'm all for everything we do because we're about glorifying God. But God wants more than anything that you and I to grow in our relationship with Jesus. And one of the means to spur us on is by looking at those that have lost their lives. Consider the blood of the martyrs. Let that be the seed of the, glo of the global church. Let that be the seed of even this church to spur us on. Next time you're going through a situation, you think, oh, I feel like quitting. Hear me right in this. Get a backbone. Dig into God. Say, God, all things will work together for good. I trust you. I love you. I look to my brothers and sisters that have lost their life. I look at this situation. Think, okay, God, you're more than able. You're more than able. Come on, church. Paul lost his life. But let his words echo through to us today. That we can be a church that rises up. We can be a church that rises up as a hunger to grow in Jesus. And I'm talking to myself as much as to all of us today. Come on, church. Let's press in to all that God has for our own individual lives and our corporate lives. Whatever God wants to do, do in our lives, let him do it. Let him just shape us, mould us, make us into the, the image he has for us to become more like Jesus. Knocking off the sharp edges. If someone offends you, don't get uptight. Give it to Jesus. Let's get over the small things. Let's press into all that God has for our lives. Let's be a church that knows what it is to grow, to grow. Obey your thirst. The time is gone for nagging and nudging. Come on, do this, join this, do that. Only you can grow. It's your responsibility. It's my responsibility. But if we do, don't we want to please, please God? Please our Heavenly Father.
who's championing us on. Let's pray. We hope that you enjoyed this message. For many more resources and for more information, visit our website at www.life-cc.org.